What the fuck is up, world? Biali, Lapik Bak. We back in this bitch. Another podcast for that ass. Another crypto, sea dicho. Coming about a little bit more than a week since our last podcast. And the reason being is after two fucking years, homie, your boy finally got the game. Okay. <laughs> It was an interesting experience, a spicy little fucking flu, if I may say so myself, right? But I got through it, right? Thankfully. And um, here I am today, getting ready to follow up and continue going with this podcast shit that we've been on for the last, what, almost three years? It's about to be three year anniversary of my podcast, dog. Um, three years. Yeah, three years, only 2022. I believe I started this bitch in 2019, right? So shout out to all the motherfuckers that have come along in the journey since. Um, those of y'all especially who have been riding with me, you know what I mean? Um, before I get going, I want to give a quick shout out this week to a gentleman by the name of Caesar Venegas. Shout out to the boy, right? Um, I see you, homie. I appreciate the work, the love, and the kind words. And um, yeah, as always, shout out to anybody else who's listening to this as well. Even though you don't reach out and let, let it be known, I still see you there, you know what I mean? So I do appreciate the fuck out of you tuning in nonetheless, right? Whether it be from fucking that podcast apps or YouTube, maybe you're coming along from the gram, whatever the case might be, dog, just know I appreciate the fuck out of that shit, okay? Speaking of the gram, you already know the deal. OG underscore Ice Nice 13 is where you can find me. OG dot Ice Nice 13 at the backup for when the Zuck plug will come for you, boy, right? Uh, something along the same lines um, on all the other podcasts, uh, or rather, all the other social as well. So, um, jumping right into it, I had initially planned to do an itch follow-up, right? So I, I will get back to the whole fucking Project Bluebeam uh, Blue inevitably. But for those of y'all who have followed along long enough, no, I don't like to just do shit sequentially. I like to just mix it up because, you know, then I get bored and I don't really have as much passion about it. as when You know, uh, I'm, I'm revisiting again with, you know, in the first time, for the first time in a while. So um, I wanted to return back and pick up where I left off on the Preachers of Death episode podcast with some more niche, you know? Um, because why not? Dog niche is fucking awesome, first and foremost. For two, uh, you know, I'm always in a point in my life when I can do some niche. And I hope that this is also true for you as well. So without, you know, further ado, let's get right into it. The last part that we left off on was we kind of left off with the idea of, um, I guess excellence. Okay. The, the notion of true excellence is what for niche is going to make for a desirable precondition of life, right? What I mean by that is, we're talking about the will to power, okay? We're talking about the will to power and all that kind of shit and the ability to overcome. And, you know, what we left off was talking about overcoming, but the question, of course, is, well, what is there to be overcome? And in order to understand that, you know, we need to first understand how these notions of, uh, of self-excellence and, you know, power and all that shit uh, mesh with one another, right? Now, as we've talked about before, while these are all just nothing more than manifestation loosely of the will to power, as we've already mentioned before, not all powers are created equally, right? He's going to put there's levels to these power shipments, right? With physical again, uh, and good health being at the lowest order, which is interesting given the fact that he died of ill health, right? Poor health, but whatever the case is, what he is going to want to tell us is that the Ubermensch isn't necessarily going to be a healthy, a physically healthy person, right? And thus striving for good health, it's not really the most, the highest will to, the highest the value of the, of the will to power, I should say. Okay. 
Now, to be fair, like that's that's Nietzsche talking, homeboy. And as I mentioned before, Nietzsche, he's not scripture. So we're more than welcome to disagree with him, which I clearly do, because I do value physical health, right? Working out especially. Um, in fact, I would even say that it's necessary. I would say that working out is a necessary, it's a, a centering force, if you will, to use the Nawa philosophy, right? It's a centering force in order for us to live good lives. You know what I mean? Uh, even if it's just fucking taking a weekly walk, bro, even if it's, or rather a fucking nightly walk, maybe even every other day, something just not sedentary. You know what I mean? Like uh, the sedentary life, I, I would argue, is ill-conducive to a good life. You know what I'm saying? And that's the overall purposes of the will to power. Uh, for only in having your physical health in order, I'm going to argue, is that uh, can you at least have the rest of your life in order, right? Again, it's a centering force. It's an ordering force, more specifically. Um, because, you know, there's just, I don't know, man, there's just no denying. It seems weird, I should say. People do deny it. And it just seems weird to me why you would want to, given, you know, just how much positive information there is to correlate, you know, the, the effect physical wellness has on your affect. You know what I mean? <clears throat> and I guess, moreover, to add to that, another uh, factor that I would argue uh, is that, you know, working out, it would just strengthen the will to power because it gained, you gain discipline, dog. You gain, you gain discipline through all the grueling, brutal workouts that you do on days when you don't want to. You know, you don't want to be out there, but, you know, you do your out there nonetheless. And that shit, to me, is priceless, dog. It, it helps solidify the will to power, right? But again, as far as Nietzsche is going to concern, he's just going to claim, he's just going to claim that these physical manifestations of the will, they're nothing more, again, than desirable, quote unquote, preconditions for true excellence. Uh, whatever the case might be, he's going to pick up with this, you know, old Socratic idea about how excellence then and the ensuing pursuit thereof as a, as a very important, uh, as a very prominent feature of the philosophy. There's that famous quote about, I believe, Socrates, where they state something along the line, or is it, it's, uh, Aristotle. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Aristotle because it's from virtue ethics. It's from his Nicomachean ethics. And uh, the quote is, so I'm going to go out on and say 99.9% sure that it's Aristotle with it that it matters. The quote that's important, right? But uh, the quote is something along the lines about how excellence is not a, it's not an end goal. It's a, it's a practice, you know what I mean? Therefore, you are how you practice and all that kind of shit. Uh, the idea there with the virtue ethics is going to be, you got to practice to be a virtuous person. And, you know, in doing so, you become, you, know, you get better at it. That's eh, kind of along the same lines of what Nietzsche's going to pick up, even though he was not a fan of his whole Socratics and shit. You know what I mean? That's kind of the central gist when it comes to what he's talking about here with excellence. It's going to be a cornerstone of his philosophy, right? He's going to want to tell us that the, the striving for excellence reaches its pinnacle, not with those who conquer or overwhelm their neighbors, but with those who overcome themselves, right? Again, going back to the whole world's power and how it's meant to be for us only, right? So the highest... Uh, will to power, again, just to circle back to this uh, recurrent topic that we've been talking about when it comes to this Nietzschean philosophy, is self-overcoming. And he's going to tell us that this is achieved via the sublation, the sublimation rather, of the passions through reason, furthering his insistence on the importance of philosophy. And I can't continue to emphasize me personally until I'm blue in the face how important I think philosophy is and Nietzsche is no different, Right. Uh, per Nietzsche, the quote-unquote will to truth of philosophy, for him, it is the most spiritual will to power, right? The desire to find truth for Nietzsche, right? This will to truth, what he would call him specifically, uh, that is the most powerful spiritual form of will to power. So um, in that respect, 
he's going to believe, Nietzsche is, that strength is only good insofar as it is able to accommodate reason. Uh, and by reason here, it's understood as the practice of philosophy, namely in terms of allowing us mastery over our instincts. Nietzsche was a very naturalistic philosopher, and this is kind of, well, this is picking up on that idea. By naturalistic here, we mean that he does look to, he places humans squarely within the natural world, uh, as opposed to many, you know, philosophers who would like to imagine us as somehow removed from the natural world, as observers to the natural world only. That's not the Nietzschean view, right? For Nietzsche, he's going to he's going to center us straight into the natural world, and he's going to admit that much of our philosophizing is influenced by our animal nature, our animal instincts. Okay, and thus the idea here of the of hoping to master these instincts it's not about being subjected to them and a, and a slave to them. It's about recognizing that we have these instincts and working to overcome them. Whereas right? a naturalistic approach, this is what I mean by the naturalistic approach to philosophy. It's in our nature to act certain ways. You know what I mean? It's in our nature, for instance, to be just, uh, uh, to be cognizant and weary of other people, quote unquote others, if you will, in the history of the, in the philosophical parlance, those who are not like us. Okay. Um, it's in our nature to be not just sub, not just suspect of them, but, you know, not very friendly towards them in many ways. And the idea for this particular instance in this example, would be to recognize that impulse and just work to overcome it, to master the fucking instincts to reason. So philosophy then, in this respect, uh, it's the most spiritual manifestation of will to power. While Christianity, conversely, is for what he, rec- what he refers to as the poor in spirit, quote-unquote, namely those that do not live in accordance to reason and thus are leading unspiritual or which should be understood as impotent lives. He's basically telling his homie, like, you got to cast off the shackles, man. You got to stop relying on Christianity to give our life meaning and own up to the responsibility and take the power to make your life a great one back into your hands, rather than relying on something or someone else to do it for you. So the goal is not then to neuter our instincts or our passions, like religion asks us to do in order to be a part of the herd, nor is it to act on them impulsively. The goal is to sharpen our instincts and use them to our benefit. Okay, so what Nietzsche asks them, when he's asking that we overcome the limiting nature of every single system, whether it be religion or society that seeks conformity on our behalf by imposing the fucking constraints on our passion, he's saying, nah, man, like, you have to avoid this shit. The best example of this that I can give you was what he personally referred to as the chain sickness. The chain sickness for him, I mentioned it before, but it bears repeating, is the sickness, if you will, that he felt by being uh, shackled, essentially, to his sister and his mother. The idea was for him that he wanted to go off and do all these great things, and yet everywhere he turned, there was the old ball and chain in the form of his mother and his sister that were not only holding him back, but keeping him coming back as well. And that ideally, that we should, the reason that this, this has any sort of strength at all whatsoever is because, you know, the limiting nature of society that says, you have to take care of your sister, you have to take care of your mother, and so on. I'm not here to say whether that's right or wrong. I'm here to say that as far as his philosophy is concerned, this is one of those limiting, this is one of those limiting forces in, in, in our lives that keep us from potentially being everything that it is that we can be. 
So when he's speaking about casting out these shackles of society, he's he's making a bold proclamation, man. He's saying so. He's going as far as saying is that, as I mentioned before, anything that isn't helping you, you know, advance in life, you need to let it go because it's keeping you from doing so, and that's ultimately a form of evil. This would even apply in this particular instance to you know family and friends and shit. And because of this, this is why you know it, it strikes us as intuitively strange because. We've been told our whole lives that we never, it was that old that fucking Fast and the Furious meme, family over everything, whatever, you know what I mean? That we all, the majority of us have this idea. And what Nietzsche's telling us is if you really want to be great, if you really want to, you know, manifest and self actual, or rather, uh, attain the self perfection that he's talking, the self excellence that he's talking about, you got to be willing to make some big sacrifices, homie. And in some cases, that means cutting off even our own fucking family if they are keeping us from becoming what it is that we feel we are incapable of becoming, right? That sounds really weird and really cult-like, but unlike, you know, the cults that are going to cut you off from their family, for Nietzsche, it's not, it would completely fucking defeat the purpose of joining a cult because the cult is just going to be a replacement. It's going to be another one of these fucking institutions that does nothing more than impose its will on us, you know what I mean? So the reason why I would say that it's not like a cult is because it's about the individual. You're gonna say you gotta do this on your own, homie. It's something, a journey that you gotta go through on your own, irrespective of the sacrifice that it's gonna take for you to get there, right? So yeah, dog. Again, uh, when he's talking about this, the constraint on our passions and you know uh, the ability to break the shackles and overcome and all that shit. All this is nothing more than an attempt to subvert and to overcome one's nature. By taking advantage of our quote unquote unthinking. And what we mean, of course, by unthinking, it's the non-reflective observer to one's life that I've been talking about in the last couple of episodes. And even our quote unquote stupid impulses that drive them to conform to an ideal. So again, the notion about conformity, the notion of being an unreflective uh, a passenger in our lives. Okay. We got to over our, our 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 impulses. This is all shit that we got to overcome in order to live this life of self excellence. And the goal then is to battle through it in order to manifest the highest ideal that one is capable of, which is spiritualization. What is spiritualization in an Nietzschean sense? It is the complete mastery of oneself. So again, I just got to keep reverting back to that old a concept here about the only good and evil being whether or not we do this with our lives. The only good is going to be whether we spiritualize. The only evil, conversely, will be if we don't. Okay? And again, any action that does not contribute to this process is, in a way, inherently evil, homie. Okay? While conversely, any process that does, ideally, is itself good, irrespective of how much value it is placed on by, or rather, how much value it is uh, how much value is placed on it by society. So what I mean by that is sometimes, sometimes, homie, spiritualization will, for some people, involve having to cut free from old family and friends. I, I even hesitate saying it because I don't want to give the impression that I'm fucking, um, that I'm trying to inspire such actions in people because I'm not. I'm not trying to fucking start a cult. I'm not trying to convince people to cut off their family unless you need to. You know what I mean? All I'm saying is that that is the most fucking taboo one. So that's the one I mentioned because it will have the most visual effect, right? Uh, it's a rhetorical move at best, but it's also a practical example for some people when they realize that, damn, not sometimes it really be your own people and those own people be your homies, 
that are trying to hold you back, you know what I mean, your own family, that are are keeping you from advancing, and so on. You know, you might want to have a complete radical fucking change in lifestyle, and you have homies that are there just constantly trying to bring you back down, whether because you changing yourself, that poses a threat to who they are as a person, that's an existential challenge to their being, or whether because they don't want to lose their homie, they want to have the homie that they've always known and loved, and that you changing in some type of way jeopardizes that, right? As far as your family, it could be anything from something as seemingly inconsequential and innocent as your parents looking out for you in the future and trying to guide you along the way to something as overt as them being just toxic people, which of course is the case. Toxic parents exist. They fucking everyone didn't get a perfect roll of dice. You know what I'm saying? And uh, sometimes we're, we have to cut them off in order to, you know, manifest the life that we desire. So, yeah, dog, when it comes to, again, this is the whole process of spiritualization, bro, for Nietzsche. It is the only honest, and my honest here is understood as consistent morality, according to him, okay? And unfortunately, it entails that sometimes hurting the weak is a good thing if it is done in the name of self-improvement. So you can already see here how the Nazis took his shit. <laughs> And co-opted it and used it for their own purposes. But again, I must continue to emphasize that for Nietzsche, the idea of weak has nothing to do with physical fucking with his physical iteration. And, and furthermore, that he was repulsed by the idea of nationality. Okay. Um, it's something that he openly fucking renounced. So it's not even about shitting on people for allegedly being weak because of their ethnicity or nationality. It's nothing to do with that. However, when you read it as such on face value, it, it, I could see how motherfuckers would confuse it. You know what I mean? Or not at, uh, even if they're not confusing it for absolute certain, fucking utilize it for their own nefarious purposes. Okay. So again, I got to continue to emphasize that when he tells this shit that, you know, uh, how this spiritualization is the only honest morality and that unfortunately it sometimes entails hurting the weak. And that that's a good thing if it comes to the name of self-improvement, I got to continue to emphasize that he also will follow it up by saying that the weak, of course, they're not just the physically weak, but they are those that serve as the antithesis to everything that we've been discussing in these last two particular episodes on Nietzsche. Not the last two chronologically, of course, but the last two on Nietzsche. So the Preachers of Death one and this one, right? So, um, yeah, in that respect, Nietzsche, he's not going to condone cruelty for the sake of cruelty, bro. In fact, he's going to state that cruelty, again, it's the most impotent manifestation of the will to power. Rather, what he's going to want to tell us is that generosity and kindness, they're true marks of strength, homie. And not only that, but they are also the highest manifestation of the will to power. So it's generosity and kindness, bro, not cruelty for the sake of cruelty. And as such, he's going to argue that the strong, they rarely need to resort to cruelty, okay? Because they're above it. It's beneath them. Cruelty is fucking, it's a stain on them, right? They're truly strong. And because of that, they rarely need to resort to it. And in some instances, he's even going to argue that it is the duty of the strong to protect the weak. Now, I got to emphasize that this is just in some cases with the obvious uh, rationale here being because to protect others implies that you are doing something for them that they could and should ideally be doing for themselves. 
Now, I say could and should ideally because there are obviously people who cannot defend themselves. And if that if that's the case, obviously you are, I feel, and definitely it gives a little bit of impetus to his Nietzschean philosophy, compelled to have to defend them. I don't give a fuck what Nietzsche says, but I will always defend the fucking defenseless. One of my fucking favorite things to fucking brag about still to this day is how back in the day, I used to love bullying bullies. That shit has not changed. Like when, you know, motherfuckers would be out there bullying people, you know, it's somebody's got to check these motherfuckers. And the only way that I knew how to do it was to bully them in return. Okay. And it was one of my fucking greatest, like, I, I, I love that fact about myself that it hasn't changed still to this day. You know what I mean? And I know I'm not the only one. And I know if you're one of those two, you probably resonate with that message. Like, fuck yeah, dog. Bullies deserve to be bullied. Bullies deserve to get beat the fuck down. That's why I'm fucking real so hard against fucking shit like pedophilia. Like, dog, what the fuck? No, yo. You're actively taking advantage of fucking people who are too young to defend themselves. Who are too young fucking intellectually to understand and comprehend what is happening. So yeah, of course I'm going to fucking ride hard against that shit because you're fucking bullying the defenseless. You know what I mean? And, you know, then you go off into all the other quote unquote conservative shit that's been associated with, with, uh, the desire to conserve and protect, right? And, uh, why you could see how people would look at not just Nietzschean philosophy, but myself as well and be like, damn, is this motherfucker low key conservative? Cause a lot of the shit that he's saying sounds kind of sus when he's saying like, yeah, but you got to protect women. You got to protect children. You got to protect the vulnerable, et cetera, right? Because historically in the United States, at least those are generally considered to be conservative fucking, you know, um, habits for no other reason that they are associated with quote unquote traditional masculinity or whatever. You know what I mean? But anyways, tangential and uh, the, the tangential here for this particular episode is how for Nietzsche, he's going to tell us that more often than not, if someone is capable of defending themselves, you have to let them defend themselves. Not because it's fuck you. It's all about me by myself only. You know what I mean? But rather because by, uh, you know, removing that ability from them to uh, be able to do so, you are in turn enabling them to become weaker versions of themselves. We need the fucking conflict. We need the struggle. The struggle is what makes us stronger. And if you're just going to readily remove that from people's lives, then you're not really, do- it's like a form of paternalism. You might think that you're doing good, but ultimately you're really not. You're not helping them develop their character in any way. Obviously there are caveats, right? As the ones I've mentioned that are so dear to me, uh, innocent women and children, people who physically are incapable of defending themselves and so on. Okay. Uh, and I would even add to that list people who, you know, don't have the financial means to be able to do so. Not maybe forever, but enough to be able to provide basic necessities like food, water, shelter, and safety. <laughs> this idea of Nietzsche's just being associated with military strength, right? Uh, it's just clearly misguided, homie. Clearly misguided. Because the most powerful, they are not the politicians. They are not the soldiers. It is the artists and it is the philosophers, okay? Because... It is those who, even in the face of much of the heartbreak and betrayal inherent in life, refuse to give in to the weakness from which both are born and maintain to be loving and loyal, he tells us, right? It is those who, even in the face of realizing the meaningless of life, if you will, they refuse to buckle and to give into this negative nihilism. And rather, what they do is revolt against every single fucking day as an act of affirmation of one's existence. He's going to tell us that power is always only ever power over oneself. And thus, the will to power is not license, 
to act as you as you shall, as you, you know, to do as y'all do as thou wilt, if you will, to use the Crowley language, because you're the one in power, right? Um, but it's rather in restraint, okay? Uh, knowing that, yeah, like sometimes you are in a position where you can't fuck people up, okay? But you don't, not because you can't. But rather because it's easier to help one instead, help someone instead, right? Not easier, but it's that's what power is, the ability to be able to do so. It's not the power to destroy, but rather the power to create. So simply put, the will to power, it manifests itself as the ability to live our life as a work of art. And this is the philosophy for the basis of at least the Ubermensch, right? Now... I got a whole fucking section delve into the whole Ubermensch shit, dog. But for now, I wanted to talk a little bit about the whole master-slave dialect, okay? And how it relates to all of this. Now, to keep it simple, the master-slave dialect for Nietzsche, it's predicated on his attack on Christian ethics. Namely, in how it is inadequate by its own standard, he tells us. Christianity and their ethics, Nietzsche tells us it's inadequate by even their own standards. Uh... Basically, he's simply showing an internal inconsistency in religion when he does so. Uh, in regards to the example that I like to give is that when it comes to haters whose hatred for religion is mistook as an underlying, uh, what I see in many instances, right? Uh, when people are knocking, like, obviously, dog, especially if you follow me on the gram, you know I'm always talking shit about Christianity. Not so much anymore since my brother passed away. Um, but the general sentiment remains the same, Okay. The only, the only fucking caveat here being is that I, I saw firsthand just how important, you know, religion is and can be for people. And, you know, there's no need for me to fucking, there's no need for me to fucking try to take that away from other people. It's never been my intention to try to do so, right? But I could understand how, you know, words can lend to that impression. And it's just not something I, I, I wish to do anymore, right? Telling me I'm not going to talk about the internal inconsistencies, though. And that's kind of what is happening here with Nietzsche. For me personally, like I did notice about myself specifically is that when I would speak of my hatred for religion when I was younger, though, uh, it did come from a place of underlying hurt. Okay, per- uh, specifically, I should say at the perceived lack of existence of God. Okay, but more often it was mostly and I'm talking about young, man. I'm talking about like 10, 11, 12. Uh, it was um, out of a simple slave mindset type shit that dictated that, you know, I myself was still beholden to the one thing that I claimed to be against so ardently, which was Christianity. <coughs> one of the reasons why I no longer uh, rag on Christianity as hard as I used to, of course, is because I realize now that continuing to do so is continuing to fucking maintain beholden to Christianity, which is someone who alleges to wants to be done with Christianity. It seems weird that the only thing you'd ever want to do is continue talking about Christianity. You know what I mean? So, yeah, that's kind of what I meant by that. Anyways, for Nietzsche, he's going to claim that, like all moralities, Christianity is predicated on the will to power as well, with the only distinction being that Christianity just outwardly denies this very fact. He's going to tell us that, you know, moralities, they're all the same, dog. And as such, there's no need to acknowledge each one or even trace their history. Because, you know, if one is to talk of progress, quote-unquote progress, it is only ever the history of degradation of morality in the form of less adequate expressions, ethical theories, 
of the will to power is what Nietzsche's going to tell us, right? So there's no need to talk about all the fucking historical ethical systems that have come before ours because they're all the same fucking shit. They're all just a less adequate expression of the will to power, the desire for fucking power and control. In the sense of morality, though, it comes over others, which, as we've already discussed, it's the lowest form of fucking power. Now, any historical process Nietzsche's going to tell us, though, is aimed at tracing the function of morality in history as well as in the individual's life. What is the desire of function? Power and control, simply, <laughs> right? So he's going to base his argument, Nietzsche is, on the identification of two distinct types of morality. You have the master class morality and the slave class morality, both of which are expressions of the will to power. It is important, though, to note that despite the fact that they are both interpretations of the will to power, they express this in very, very different ways. So while the master morality explicitly recognizes the will to power, the slave morality is predicated on the explicit denial of the value of power. And this is the camp that Christianity falls under. This is the camp that the fucking Blue Anon dorks fall under. These alleged progressive liberals that they fall under. At least fucking right-wing people are over, like they're, uh, they could tell you like, yeah, we want power and control. These left-wing fucks, like, they're subliminal about, like, no, we care about your grandma and her health and her safety. Bullshit, you fucking liar. You care about power and control. Everyone cares about power and control. That's the whole point behind this fucking master-slave morality, right? And um, what Nietzsche's going to tell us is that both the master and the slave, it doesn't refer to a literal division of social classes or individual social roles. What it refers to is that they're both on... Opposite ends of a, of a spectrum, if you will. In fact, most slaves, Nietzsche's going to want to argue, they're most often found uh, where we wouldn't even consider to find slaves. And that is the good, quote-unquote, bougie citizens of the world. Um, again, I could just, for me personally, for me personally, the best example I can give you is the left-wing dog. Especially the ones that are well-off, the fucking progressive liberals who are well-off and yet still fancy themselves as fucking victim somehow you know what i mean this is kind of the idea here you clearly fucking distill desire power and control but you know you mask this under the guise of you know care but come on man we see through the veneer we see through the facade and you're obviously the quote-unquote good bougie citizens of the world and that's just the point that he's trying to get to I'm not using that particular example because he predates them by 300 years but the example that i'm using to convey this idea so anyways moving along what he's going to want to tell us is that uh, both the master class and the slave class, they both refer to the types of values, that is, the ways of expressing the will to power. So a master or a slave, then, is nothing more that's than rather someone that, exemplis uh, that exemplifies the types of morality associated with both, okay? The, uh, before I continue, I, didn't have it, I don't have it typed here into the notes, but I guess the best just because I'm thinking about it right now, and it's the example that is just always so prominent in my head, even when I'm teaching this, would be of the birds of prey, right? So it's an it's an Nietzschean parable. Um, and the birds of prey talks about these two two birds of prey, <laughs> right? And uh, they're talking about lambs. Uh, and what they're saying is something along the lines of how birds of prey always get a bum rap by by the lambs, because the lambs say that the birds of prey are always attacking them, and because of that, they're always eating them, they're always preying on them, and because of that, they are evil, to which the idea is saying, or the, and then it adds something along the lines of how 
the, the lambs ask why the, the birds of prey hate the lambs. To which the birds of prey respond something along the lines of, we don't fucking hate you. In fact, there's nothing more than we lo- that we love more. There's nothing that we, there's no, there is nothing that we love more than a fucking juicy lamb. You know what I mean? The obvious parable here being like a lamb for the slaughter. <laughs> you know what I mean? But the idea is ultimately that they're not evil. These birds of prey are not evil. They are just acting out in accordance to their nature, their instincts, if you will. Right? <clears throat> One of the many reasons why I continue to state that Nietzsche was kind of a Nawa philosopher himself, because this is exactly what he's saying. It's not good and evil. There's just fucking our predefined notions of what good and evil are. We see a bird of prey attacking a lamb, and we think to ourselves that it's evil because Western Christianity will have us thinking some type of way. But, you know, if we isolate the example for what it is, you see nothing more than an animal, the bird of prey, that is seeking its own survival, even if it unfortunately comes at the expense of another animal, the lamb. But the idea here is that this is the instincts of a fucking bird of prey. Like, it's not, it doesn't have a conscience. It's not actively thinking of ways to hurt a lamb. It's just doing what it has to do to survive. And the same, unfortunately, is true for the lamb. Like, this is the role that you got dealt, okay? So Nietzsche's going to want to tell us then that the morality that one upholds uh, and ultimately dictates, that will ultimately rather dictate what type of person one will be. Whatever moralities you have, whatever morals you have, this will ultimately be the determining factor of who you are as a person. And the reason why is because this leads us to, again, once more, the in explicit fucking expl- acceptance of the will to power or the master morality as an ultimate value that is inherently a primitive morality. He's going to say that, at the again, primitive in the sense of it's as long as humans have been along, the will to power has been along. Even before humans, I would argue, because he says that all of life is the will to power. And thus, all of life is a man, every facet of life is as a manifestation of the will to power entails morality. So it doesn't matter which ethical system it is, it's all driven by the will to power, right? And uh, <laughs> the idea here then is that the, it, because of this, it's all a master morality. I, 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 I bulk at stating this explicitly because there's obviously a slave morality, okay? But how, where the slave morality comes in is that it's an attack against the will to power, okay? So where uh, the master morality is an affirmation of the will to power, the slave morality is an attack against the will to power, okay? And it only arises as an attack against an already established master morality, so, in going back to those whole birds of prey shit, obviously you can make the same correlation when it comes to people. And this is where it starts to get, again, a little bit, quote-unquote, problematic when it comes to Nietzschean philosophy, because we have this idea that there are certain people who are born to be masters and certain people who are born to be slaves, right? But again, it's got nothing to do with fucking ethnicity and nationality and all that kind of shit, so much as it has to do with the quality of a per- of, of what kind of quality of person you are, which, of course, is directed by weight. Of the ethics you adhere to and their, you know, whether or not they embrace or deny the will to power. So, <laughs> yeah, dog. Uh, master morality. Let's just get into it, dog. What, what, what is the, mat- the, the master morality? And I guess the best way to, you know, to define this is to simply ask ourselves, what is good? Okay. Uh, for starters, when we talk about what is good, this is a strictly of, this is a question of strictly subjective significance, okay? And what I mean by that is, uh, 
whether something good is good or not, it depends entirely on the individual, obviously. Uh, and also, it's only good if it fulfills one's own designs, one's own desires, right? So in this particular sense, then good refers simply to the satisfaction of our own personal expectations. So in that sense, it's subjective because there's no need to refer to other, there's no need to refer to other people when it comes to this. There's no need to refer to social welfare, to duty, to obligation, or to any fucking super personal consideration of, of Christianity, right? Of Christian morality. Only ever to oneself. This is the whole idea that I was talking about earlier when it comes to this fucking chain sickness and all that kind of shit and fucking cutting people off. This, this is where it's going with this, man, about being good. Like, it's about me. Does the shit that I'm doing sit right with me? Because if it does, then fuck everybody else, basically. And if other people are keeping me from fucking doing this, then why why the fuck do I have them in my life, right? Now, obviously, that can and has historically been used to justify shitty behavior, but I will continue to emphasize that the Nietzschean philosophy doesn't enable the shitty behavior so much as people who are predisposed to fucking shitty behavior take this and use it as justification for this fact, right? Anyways, uh, when it comes to what is good, right, he's simply going to tell us that it refers, to, again, to the satisfaction of our own personal expectations. You have a, a set of values in your life that you expect to adhere to, and the goodness comes to your ability to satisfy them, okay? Further, this good is that which one has decided is good for them. What does I personally feel good for me is probably going to vary wildly for what you personally believe is good for you. doesn't mean that you're right and I'm wrong or vice versa. It just means that for our own subjective experience of reality, we have found certain things in this life that are better suited to us than others, right? And in this respect then, for the masters, they're going to want to say, uh, Nietzsche is going to want to tell us that uh, masters are what he refers to as value determining, quote unquote. Okay. So what he means by that is that they determine their own values, dog, many of which are in similar correlation with other masters. Masters don't need a fucking set of predefined moralities to define their lives. Masters don't need people to give them a set of fucking rules to live by, right? Masters are value determining. They fucking determine their own values. And this is a common trait uh, that not is only shared with other masters, but many of the values are also shared by fellow masters as well, right? And, you know, he's going to tell us that these, these master values, they're always an expression of the will to power, entailing that good is always that which increases one's power, as I talked about in the previous episode, the fucking preachers of death about increasing power and all that kind of shit, right? So the will to power itself it's so open, dog. It's so open to individual preferences. And thus, the expression of it, it's infinitely varied as well. Uh, as the example that I gave before, I, I, I fucking hate running. You know, I don't want to be the person that wakes up fucking early in the morning to go for a two-mile run. But I love to lift weights, and I'll have no problem waking up to go do that. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't mean that the, the young lady that I talked about, my former student, is right and I'm wrong and converse and vice versa. It just means that this will to power, man, it's... It varied. It varies infinitely but, uh, among individuals, okay? So the only thing that we need to concern ourselves with realistically is w whatever increases our power, right? What drive? What is driving our quest for self-perfection? Because that is what is good, right? Uh, one can choose to be a great lover, a fucking warrior, a poet, etc., right? So the values then for the master basically are the virtues that lead to a good life. 
And as I've mentioned already before, but bear repeating once again, evil in turn refers to failure, defeat. And what I mean by this is comfort, conformity, right? Com- com- comfort, just comfort. I don't know the fucking word, <laughs> right? And the loss of power. So this in turn obviously brings us to the slave morality, okay? And what the slave morality is basically, it's one that does not create their own values, but rather starts by having a set of values imposed on them. Okay. And uh, naturally, these values, they are of the master to which the slave finds it impossible to ever live up to. This is one of the fucking funniest things about Western politics for me, bro, is how even, you know, if you ask me personally, the progressive left, quote unquote, progressive, they are the fucking slaves, dog. I'm not saying that the whites are the, the, the right, the right wing is the masters, right? Let alone the whites. Okay. I'm saying that at least they're fucking out front with their desire for control. Again, the left, kind of the same deal. And what ha- what is happening here with this particular instance is that they are inheriting, everyone has inherited the fucking, the, the, the virtues here in America, at least, of the quote-unquote master class, which is historically white conservative men, okay? And the funny shit is that since we most of us don't ever take time to reflect upon this, <clears throat> we ultimately end up re- re- uh, reproducing their values, even the most allegedly progressive liberal among us. This is exactly what, this is exactly what happens with the left wing every single time, dog. There is no left wing in America. That is just a fucking uh, unwillingness to recognize yourself as the fucking right wing of America. Okay. Because your actions, your virtues, they all align perfectly with what it is that the right wing values. That's why the deportations don't stop. That's why the fucking drone strikes don't stop and so on. Because, you know, what passes again as the left in America is really just the right wing. Okay. However, unlike the right wing, this quote unquote left progressive wing, right? They, 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 they're not, they're not willing to live up to this fucking title, right? Uh, in many instances, because it's an impossible one for them to live up to. So, you know, master morality in turn, it tells the slave to be strong, brave, and creative, which is impossible because slaves are inherently weak. They're inherently cowardly. Okay. And they're dull and unassertive. It is, again, to use the metaphor of the birds of prey, akin to a fucking eagle telling a lamb to just be brave and cunning and strong. You know what I mean? Like, it's not in its nature. So, uh, finding that, you know, they are constantly failing to live up to the virtues and values of the master, the slave adopts a quote-unquote remarkable strategy for asserting the will to power in the face of constant defeat. Because, again, everybody has the will to power. Everybody wants to assert this power, okay? Including the slaves. And, you know... For the slaves, the way they've managed to do so is to invert the order, the, the, or, the order of virtues. So basically, okay, that everything it is that the master class values, the slaves flip it on its head and say that those are no longer values, but those are vices that should be avoided. And their ability to avoid them is now a strength. <clears throat> this is what is so prominent right now, excuse me, with the whole virtue signaling when it comes to fucking the ongoing pandemic, homie, where things that historically have never been seen as a virtue, let alone as a strength, are now being applauded and lauded, or rather applauded and saying that, you know, you're a hero for living up to staying home and fucking doing nothing, fucking playing video games and jerking off all day. That is not a virtue, okay? But in the face of the pandemic, when staying home was the most heroic thing you could do, suddenly it became a fucking virtue, you know what I mean? Which, of course, the fucking left lapped up because 
that's something that they were actually fucking good at for a change. And it was able to play to their fucking strengths. And because of that, they're just unwilling to let it go. They got a death grip on this. And they're going to insist on ensuring that the, the rest of us who are no longer fucking playing pandemic continue to do so. Because once we stop, you know, living this fucking fantasy life, their strengths are no longer going to be their fucking... It's no longer going to be heroic to just sit around on the couch to sit in your fucking room all day and watch movies doing nothing. You know what I mean? It's not longer going to be heroic. That's going to be a fucking uh, device that it's always been considered in this Western capitalist world. And the order is going to revert back to how it was initially prior to the pandemic. Okay. And that's basically the history of slave morality. What Nietzsche tells us is that for the slaves, since they have failed to prove their strength in accordance to the virtues that the masters have laid out, they consider those strengths as vices. And they are glad that they are not tempted by it, okay? The most obvious example uh, that I think about this every time I read this in Nietzsche is the biblical quote that the meek shall inherit the earth, which could not be any more fucking laughable, dog, because that's just, it doesn't, doesn't relate to the real natural world that we live in. The meek will not inherit every, well, they will never inherit anything. There will always be someone more powerful. Even if there is a weak person, there's always going to be the more powerful of the weak people physically that is going to fucking, in, you know, overcome the meek, if you will, right? The meek in character, the meek in spirit, the meek in physical stature, whatever the case might be, they won't inherit the earth, right? But because Christianity is a slave morality, they they lie to themselves and, say, and they say that they will because this, they flip the power order on its head and they say the world is not reserved for the people who are fucking strong and it's reserved for the meek, you know what I mean? Because that's where they get their strength and their power from. So, um, Another example here is when it comes to finding oneself in poverty, okay? If you find yourself in poverty, why take wealth as a virtue? This is something that I've been, you know, really fucking coming to terms with in terms of our own community, the, the Chicano community, the brown community in general, dog. Uh, how they're, they're just forcing fucking Marxism down our throats, communism down our throats. And I, on one respect, I can still, you know, defend it because prior to the arrival of European people, we were, we were a collectivist society for the most part. Okay, many of many indigenous cultures were collectively based, right? Not all of them, but a lot of them they they were collectivists in nature. Okay, and uh, but another reason why is because it seems weird to me that it's being forced on our community because the whole idea of indigenizing is sovereignty, and part of you know in, in, insisting on our sovereignty entails that we fucking refuse to be made into fucking slaves. Basically, we refuse this paternalism bullshit. And part of that paternalism bullshit implies the fucking idea that you need something, someone, but namely something to take care of you, in this case, the government. So when I speak about fucking Marxism being this psyop, if you will, on our community, what I'm saying is that it's being pushed on our community so heavily because they want our community to be dependent on the government. Because if we are dependent on the government, then we can be easily controlled. And if you are controlled, you are not a sovereign being. You are a fucking subject which is completely in the face of indigenizing. And that's kind of the idea here when I see people fucking in our community railing against capitalism. Like, I agree, like a lot of the problems with capitalism are fucked up. However, what is the impetus for this? Where is this coming from, okay? Is it really because money is evil? Or is it because you have been brainwashed to believe that you are too weak to acquire resources, and in this form, financial resources, currencies, right? 
And because of that, rather than seek to do so, you have just inverted the power structure and said that anybody that seeks only to require financial resources is a quote-unquote bad person, and anybody who is concerned with only materialism is a bad person, while conveniently, anybody who isn't is a good person. Like, nah, dog, that's a slave morality type shit, and if that is the impetus for why you are so fucking against fucking capitalism... I start to wonder, is it possible that you are just a victim, as I feel myself to have been, of a PSYOP designed to keep people like ourselves fucking from asserting our right to sovereignty, okay? So <laughs> another example of this would be the whole turn the other cheek shit. Like, there is no turning the other cheek for the master class, dog. There is fucking fight for the glory, and that's it. Die for the glory type shit. There is no live to fight another day, Right? So essentially, what he's going to argue is that slaves, in order to call themselves successful in the same activities in which they have failed, they perform what is referred to as a transvaluation of values, okay? And systematically determine as evil the very virtues which the master calls good, right? So thus, in, because of this, one finds oneself without pride. They find oneself without cause for boasting. For without desire for succeeding or virility. And in turn, they claim that humility, modesty, patience, and the abstinence is to be resisting evil. So Christianity, again, in a nutshell, weak slave mentality type shit. All right. Because you're not any of that, dog. You're not a hum you're not a fucking humble person. Most people, you know, I, I got especially like, ooh, I can't, I I I emphasize it because this is what they represent to me, dog, the left wing. And that's why I keep bringing it up. Like, they're not humble people, dog. They're not modest. They're not patient, right? They're not fucking, they're not showing any of these traits. They're fucking just as evil as as, as the rest of us, right? <clears throat> and they just have this mask of fucking, this arrogance, this pomp of fucking, you know, holier than now because they flipped the order of what is considered good and bad and said that because, you know... I don't have the values of, or supposedly don't have the values of the right wing. I am somehow better. Like, you're not, dog. You're not, okay? What you are is unable to manifest the goodness of being a good person, right? And because of that, you've just settled for being a good citizen instead. You're not someone that can give yourself your own values. You are someone that has values inserted upon you, right? And you're, you're content with that. Since the slaves, they cannot succeed at determining the quality of their own life, they settle for that which is given to them simply by society instead, right? And they assert their will to power simply by rejecting the values that they cannot be successful in. Thus, the fundamental category of slave morality becomes evil, dog. It's evil, right? These, it's the one of sin. These sins, of course, are nothing more than the values of the master that the slave is incapable of practicing, okay? It's basically like they're saying, I'm afraid of failure, so I'd rather not even try. Like, I'm just not even going to bother trying because I'm so afraid of failing, okay? And even worse, it's a company with the fucking whole, you're a piece of shit for trying and succeeding at doing what I cannot do attitude. You know what I mean? Um, my favorite example of this is like people who always talk shit about people who are trying to be aspiring rappers. Like, yo, your favorite rapper was once an aspiring rapper from the underground, dog. And it's just funny how every time someone says, yo, I want to rap. The first fucking reaction that people get is like, oh, God, another rapper? Like, yeah, dog, what the fuck? Another rapper? What is that even supposed to mean? Like, where is, where is the impetus for that fucking, that supposed insult coming from? Is it really because I should not be rapping? Or is it because you yourself are projecting some sort of insecurity? Namely, the insecurity that you are so, you personally, not you like the listener, but the person who is shitting on someone 
for wanting to be a rapper or a, a boxing, a boxer or a fucking, you know, a model, whatever the case might be. <clears throat> are you really saying that because, uh, or, or are you only saying that because you yourself, you know, have convinced yourself or you are, in fact, so afraid of failure, right? That you'd rather not even try. And that when someone does try, it reminds you of this fact. And rather than address this because you're a fucking weak bitch, slave, You'd rather just shit on people for doing so in hopes that doing so will keep them from fucking engaging in these actions. That way they don't have to remind you constantly of the shitty fucking person that you are, right? Again, not you, my lovely listener, you, the the metaphorical person who has done this to you and I, and even of ourselves if we're being honest in the past, okay? I'll admit that I have been that weak person in the past and I still am in many ways to this day and I conscientiously make an effort to avoid being that person for that very reason, okay? Anyways, in wrapping up here, uh, the function of evil and sin, right, in the Chian sense, is nothing more than than it's just there to increase the power of the slave, okay? The idea that things are evil, that, that that's a sin, this shit's not evil or a sin, dog. Those ideas are just there in many cases to fucking increase the power of the slave, Nietzsche tells us. And that is that the idea that the more you avoid these actions the more powerful you allegedly become, okay? And that the more the masters engage in these actions, the more evil they are, allegedly, which is, it's just not true, okay? And because this fucking idea is so prominent, it's from this that we get the creation of what Nietzsche refers to as bland and comfortable, this bland and comfortable world of bougie Christian morality, okay? And it's nothing more, ultimately, it's not the def- it's not fucking, the, it's not the world we're living in, because it's the best world. It's not realistically, it's nothing more than an assertion of power by those who are simply incapable of greatness. Incapable of greatness, Nietzsche tells us. And thus, evil, in turn, is that which, if it is accepted, would make one see how impotent, quote unquote, they truly are, right? And the basic gist is that, you know, the good thing for the slave is that, or rather, good, if you will, for the slave is thus the avoidance of evil by manifesting that which makes them feel safe and secure. So for Nietzsche, it'll be shit like be weak, be humble, be kind, etc., right? And for our modern purposes, of course, it would be for the modern purposes. Fucking shit is immemorial. It's across time and culture, human nature, right? Bitch-ass people have existed since the dawn of time, okay? But what I mean by, like, just to continue the example that I'm giving of like the left-right American paradigm, it's when it comes to, you know, the, le- the left specifically, just to disgust even thinking about it, Ugh. okay? Uh, the avoidance of evil and doing all the shit that they're, they have us believing is evil, like not getting fucking the, you know, the jab, not fucking wearing the masks, you know, not locking down and all that kind of shit. Like, nah, dog, we're not evil for not wanting to do any of that. And you're not good for doing any of that, okay? You're doing that because you live in a bland fucking world that you've tried to make feel yourself feel safe and secure in because you're basically afraid of fucking living, right? And yeah, that seems about as good a point as any to draw this particular uh, uh, podcast on Nietzsche uh, to an end. I'll pick up on it in a couple more weeks, but for now, I hope you all have a great rest of your day, and I'll see you next time. Peace.